We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hello, folks. It is 609, 31 degrees in the Twin Cities, although it certainly feels a little chillier than that. Uh, did, listening uh, in uh, on the guys on their broadcast on the Twin Show, obviously the, the coldest Twins game in history today. You got you to gotta think back. This team has been here since, what, the early 60s? And today was the coldest day. Well, did, that, did they count? Did they count the games in the dome? Because they, I don't think they will. Because again, the dome is obviously be they're in the dome. Yeah, right. They're, it's going to be insulated, so you could take out a what a twenty-five year chunk, thirty near thirty-year chunk. That still leaves about twenty so odd years, and you're playing a lot of games in April in Minnesota outdoors. So for today to be the coldest day, I'm a little bit. I'm actually a little bit stunned by that. Well, uh, it happened. Um, a, a decent Boy, crowd. Did it. it was, and it was, it was sunny though. It was sunny, so that helps if you're sitting in the sun. But obviously, the twin, twins got that, hammered. That was the key phrase. If you were sitting in the sun, because <laughs> we were noticing uh, Steve Thompson and I had the game on, of course, as as it was going on over the radio, and we noticed that there were a lot of empty seats in the sun. But there were still people that were not sitting, not taking advantage of it and still sitting in the shade, especially early in the game. And we were just kind of wondering why. Hmm. <laughs> you know, one of the things that um, I was looking at, perhaps they had uh, those that were sitting in the shade had some of those Bloody Marys that debuted at Ken Herbeck's restaurant. Now, he's had them before, but this one was crazy. It has... You know, a Bloody Mary is a Bloody Mary. The cocktail with vodka and tomato, tomato juice, juice and, and celery salt. Maybe maybe, olives, maybe, a, maybe, maybe a stick of celery. Yeah. When when did Bloody Marys get so out of control? This thing had multiple sausage cheese. Oh yeah. And it had. It also had a breakfast sandwich and a cheeseburger mm-hmm. on it. Oh yeah. Uh, it's it's been happening for. I want to think that it's been maybe more than a decade, but that'd be interesting to find out when the first one of these concoctions was made because I've been hearing about it for about a decade plus, for for about a decade, where where you have just these monstrosities of, you know, there are places, and I think it was Milwaukee I was watching an episode on of, of Man versus Food, and they put like a small chicken. I'm not talking about a chicken leg or a thigh or a bread. No, I'm talking yeah. a small chicken. You know, maybe we can get on a skewer for another episode because I don't have the expert like just in pocket right now. Or maybe one of our fabulous viewers or listeners will know this. How did Bloody Marys get so out of control? How did it go from a little celery salt and a celery stick to having an entire day's eats sitting on top of one drink? 
We're a hungry nation. We're we a hungry like, nation. <laughs> we like to eat with our drinks. We don't know. Don't worry about just drinking. You got to have food. You got to have sides. It's like it's like going to KFC and getting the five piece right. with biscuits and, how much, and mashed potatoes. How much is that Bloody Mary? I wonder. Uh, it's got to be. It's got to be at least fifty. Uh, it's got to be at least. 25? I would think fifteen to twelve. Uh, let me check. We can check that. Okay. Okay. We can, we, we can try to check it. I don't know if they'll they'll have it online, but we can try to check that. Okay. Um. Hey, listen. I want to let you know that we've got a great show lined up here. Um, we're going to be talking uh, at 6.35 with uh, a professor of child and adolescent psychiatry to talk about uh, the fact that only 20% of kids struggling with mental illness are ever diagnosed and receive treatment. So we're going to see what kinds of options are out there. Uh, also, in the 7 o'clock hour, we are going to be talking about uh, – w- with the head of the Re- Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation, which is interesting to talk to him about, uh, you know, what, what that foundation con- continues to do to honor – uh, President Reagan, but also he has uh, written a new book, The Shroud of Conspiracy. He also believes that President Trump's tough talk with North Korea can also be compared to President Reagan's Peace Through Strength Initiative with the USSR. So obviously interesting to hear from him. And then um, we will talk in this at 735 with Jane Kirtley uh, about a move to limit the use of cameras in Minnesota courtrooms. I don't know if you folks have noticed, and a lot of people enjoy watching, you know, courtroom uh, reality shows, or else you know, see news coverage of trials in other states. Minnesota is is really one of the few states that doesn't have cameras in the courtroom uh, on a regular basis. That has changed in the past few years through the efforts of a number of people, including Jane Kirtley, including somebody I work with, uh, producer Joan Gilbertson. Uh, we have had the cameras in the courtroom for sentencings. And it's powerful stuff. Uh, this is not something terribly radical, though, but this is something that you know, people are doing uh, or that other people are doing. So cameras in the courtroom, I think I think it's the right thing to do to have cameras in the courtroom. Right now, Minnesota only allows them in very rare instances for sentencing. But that may go away. And Professor Kirtley uh, is going to join us to talk about uh, the battle here, and why is Minnesota, which is normally a, a pretty open state in terms of its laws and, and progressive, why is Minnesota sort of at the back of the line here in terms of providing its citizens access to our courts through TV cameras? Because that's what it is. We put a TV camera in there. You get to see what's going on. They're your courts. Uh, also, uh, at 8 o'clock, uh, we are going to have uh, Professor David Schultz of Hamlin University Uh, He is also just back from Eastern Europe, so it would be fascinating to talk to him. Anyway, um, let's take a quick break. Uh, We'll have some more. Uh, We'll also see if we can get some updates. Uh, There's a pretty serious fire at Trump Tower in New York on the 50th floor. Uh, Obviously, President Trump and his family not there, uh, but you can see actually the the, the flames coming out of one of the top floors of the uh, tower. The president occupies, I believe, the top floors, both in terms of his residence and his offices. But there has has been a pretty serious uh, fire at Trump Tower today, so we will keep them posted. All right, folks, uh, you're listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. Uh, Esme Murphy here. Keep it right here. It is 6.20 in the Twin Cities, Esme Murphy, along with uh, producer Jonathan Lowe. We were just chatting in the break. Uh, we were talking about 
how did Bloody Marys get so out of control? And what would be the price of the Bloody Mary at Herbeck's at the Twins game? Uh, he's got a bar there, and it's this mammoth Bloody Mary. I mean, it's got beef sticks, it's got cheese, it's got vegetables, it's got a breakfast sandwich and a cheeseburger. And I was wondering how much it costs. And if anybody has actually purchased that, you're driving back from the Twins game, if you're still on the road, give us a call, 651-989-9226, 1-866-989-9226. A few years ago, Jonathan, you were able to find, with your expert sleuthing skills, the fact that Herbex did have a different version of a Mammoth Bloody Mary, one featuring a whole pizza slice? Yes, uh, this is recording, or recording, according to... Uh, Bleacher Report, back in 2015, uh, Herbeck's Pub went ahead and introduced, sorry about that, introduced a new Bloody Mary, because uh, I can't remember when Herbeck's Pub went into the stadium, into the new stadium. I, but, I think they've been there for a long time. It, okay. Yeah. And I, 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 don't and I do remember other open. Bloody Marys that they've had. They've always had like the extravagant Bloody Marys. Yes. Roll out, but I didn't remember the pizza one. And the grand price in 2015 for the one with the pizza is. Yes. This was called the College Days, D-A-Z-E, Bloody Mary. Cost $19 for that particular one. Wow. Well, you're getting a slice of pizza. Inside the Bloody Mary. <laughs> yes. And uh, is it like inside? It's inside. It, I'm looking at the picture here. It might be the tip is at, at least the tip is inside, um, oh, but it's on know. a skewer. It's on a skewer, a skewer, and it has an olive on top of it. In this picture, it has an well, olive pizza, on top a lot of, of people the. People like olives on their pizza. Yeah, but I mean, you usually have it on the pizza. You don't have a full olive just stuck up on the top, just above the crust. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, speaking of this year's rendition of this mammoth Bloody Mary, uh, Joe Nelson, a person you know well, yes. who, who is on Bring Me the News, uh, his headline. Uh, probably sums it up just about right. This new Bloody Mary at Target Field will probably kill you. <laughs> well, I think you'd have to split it with somebody. So just I mean, oh, no. I mean there I, are people that go. There are people that go to the ballpark. They see this thing. They say, "I'm set for the game. I get one of these. I have my food. I have my drink. I'm good." You know, and I, you know, I will say I don't go to the ballpark that often because it's kind of spendy, and you want to bring your family along. I guess, you know, when I go to the ballpark and I want to get something to eat or to drink, I guess I sort of go for the traditional. A I lot mean, of people do. I, I mean, I, I, you know, and I know they still have it, but, you know, I think the, the good, really good hot dog, uh, the peanuts. Uh, I'm not a big beer drinker, but if, they're, if I'm going to drink a beer anywhere, anywhere that it would be there. Um, Yet, yet they keep going um, and expanding the, these other foods that people love, obviously. And so it's 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 interesting. I mean, I mean, to each his own. But I guess I – and I would think that other people would be in that category too, just sort of liking the classics. Well, I mean, you have your – just going to the ballpark, you're talking about classic food. You have your classic hamburgers. You have your classic nachos. You have your classic hot dogs. But there are going to be other places inside that same stadium – that are going to doll up or doctor yeah. up or okay. Frankenstein up these same foods. All right. Uh, well, so, it, so you can get the classic stuff, but you can also get, you know, nachos with hot dogs and a hamburger, uh, you know, chopped up in it with, you know, on top of a Bloody Mary drink. I don't know. Right. Well, this, okay, we, we have gotten a text at 81807. Uh, 
that, that says the Bloody Mary with the breakfast sandwich is only available on Sundays. Well, of course. It's a brunch thing. <laughs> it's, it's a brunch, brunch. thing, yeah. Um, and then there's a question that I don't know the answer to. Is it true you can get a $60 steak at the ballpark? I have no idea on that. Yeah. I, I, haven't, mean, been, I haven't been to a game. I don't think I've been in the last couple of years. There are also some fancier areas yeah, where, there, where you and I probably well, <laughs> don't, don't just, hang out. Well, just think of it like the state fair. You've right. got your state fair stuff where you have some fancier restaurants out there. They may they may not be carrying all their fancy stuff, right. but there are fancier restaurants that are more uh, – I don't want to say commonplace, but there right. are restaurants there that are that are more of a uh, street level, you know, right. street food, stuff like that. Same thing at the ballparks. You got your fancy places. You got your fancy restaurants and your VIP sections. And then you got the stuff, you know, that's around the concourse. Right. Right. Well, anyway, I like the hot dogs at the ballpark. I think that they're, they're very good. But um, we'll, we'll, sir, if, sir or ma'am, we will look and see if we can determine whether they do sell a $60 steak. At the ballpark. I, I mean, I know if you go to some of these really ultra fancy, really great steak places here in the Twin Cities, that the higher end ones, you can get a steak that's that expensive. Oh, absolutely. But, but it's usually one for two. It's like a special cut, I think. I, I It's been a while since I've been to one of those restaurants. You need but, to ask Dennis Matuzak. That's right. That's right. The man uh, who works in Murray's. Right. But uh, but often I've seen that, but it's generally at that point price point, it's something you would have – Right, or it's something that would be on Man vs. Food where you're doing a challenge where you have to eat it in under an hour. Right. Well, the Man vs. Food, that the, certainly the Bloody Mary, look, Mary looked like it would qualify, I can tell you that. Um, we got a lot ahead here on this Saturday evening. Um, we are going to give you some weather here in just a little bit. Obviously, the threat of snow, it's hard, it's hard to believe that there is still a threat of snow in our forecast, uh, but there is. We will have the latest uh, update on that. And then coming up in our next half hour, we'll talk with uh, Dr. Catherine Cullen, who is an associate professor of child and adolescent psychiatry at the U of M, to talk about the fact that so many children with mental illness are not diagnosed. Before we get into heavier topics on the show, I do want to say we have guests on the line that can talk about that uh, that big stake that you're talking oh, about. Oh, 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 okay, yes, yes, yes. Caller, you're on the air. Yes. Hi, Hi Esme. It's Lindsay Gensler. Yay! You, you've I, had the $60 steak? I, I did not have it, but I was at the event on Monday when the Twins unveiled their new offerings for 2018. So I can confirm that it is on the menu. Um, it Where? Is a blue, it's in Baton Barrel. So Baton okay. Barrel is a new space, and I say new because it's an old space that's been revamped. So it's the Metropolitan Club, which used to be just open to season ticket holders. They've redone it. They've re oh man, they've redesigned it from top to bottom, and it's open to anyone who has a ticket to get into the game. So, oh okay, you got a if you got an upper deck seat, you know, way 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 right. way back, okay. you still have access to Baton Barrel. Okay, and the sixty dollars steak is what exactly? <laughs> it's a blue cheese crusted steak, and I believe it's from Murray's. So it's a spin off wow. of their their sandwich. And if I'm if I'm understanding it correctly, the cool thing about Bat and Barrel is they're going to partner with a bunch of local restaurants throughout the season. So not only Murray's, but Baja House, which is a new restaurant out in Wyzetta. Ike's has some stuff up there, Red Cow, Red Rabbit, tons of different offerings, and it's all local. That is very cool. Now, we were talking earlier about the Bloody Mary. Did you see that 
Monster Bloody Mary. <laughs> no lie, Esme. So you know what it's like when you put free food in front of media members. Yes, yes. It was a mad dash for the Bloody Mary. <laughs> I went a different route. I wanted to try the chicken shawarma wrap from Holy Land. So I went that way first. And by the time I got back to the Bloody Marys, the entire bar was gone. Oh my gosh! Now I am a huge fan of the Holy Land Deli. I, you know, I think they're absolutely great. Was the shawarma wrap good? Oh my god, it was so good! I went back for seconds. I'm like embarrassed to admit it. Okay, like, well, well, let I me saved room specifically so I could go back again. All right, and Lindsay Gensel, I think many of you know. Uh, obviously the producer for Chad Hartman. Uh, loved your segment as I was driving in. I heard your segment about Ron Coomer's restaurant. You know, you used to work with him. You've been around the ballpark uh, and around baseball for a long time. When you go to the when you go to the Target Field or you're out of town, you go to another baseball park and, and it's just you and, and you're having friend, you know, you're, you're just having fun. Do you go for sort of the fancy exotic food or do you go for sort of the, the, the classic You know, it honestly depends. It's funny that you brought that up because in two weeks I'm actually heading to New York City to um, cover an event that MLB is putting on called the MLB Food Fest where they're featuring the best food and beer from all stadiums across Major League Baseball. So every stadium is represented by a food and a drink, and they're having this little weekend contest to see who wins. So I will report back, but going back to your question, you know, I'm a sucker for a good Camarchex Polish with some sauerkraut and go. onions and some <laughs> mustard and an ice cold beer. But there is something fun about trying something new. Right. And it's kind of like the state fair. You get a group of people, you buy it, everyone gets a bite, and you call it a day. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for calling in. And um, we'll have to get you on to talk about th- this event in New York. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I, I will be in touch with your producer. Okay. <laughs> we'll do and, and, and you know how to reach them. <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much, Lindsay. Thanks, Esme. Have a great day. Take night. care. Uh, that was, of course, Lindsay Gensel. And really nice report there on Ron Coomer's restaurant and, how, you know, how he's always wanted to have a restaurant. And, you know, you see different broadcasting jobs. And now he's finally going to have one in Illinois. I thought that was kind of cool. All right, folks, we are going to take a break. We do want to give you some weather because once again, once again, it's dicey. All right. Stay tuned. It says May Murphy, along with producer Jonathan Lowe, uh, hoping to connect with um, Dr. Catherine Cullen, an associate professor of child and adolescent psychiatry at the University of Minnesota Medical School, um, to talk about children and mental illness, obviously a very, very important issue. Uh, So as we continue to work on that, let me tell you about what else we have lined up in the show. Uh, In the 7 o'clock hour, we are going to be talking with the executive director of the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. Uh, that's something he, he's going to be talking to us about, uh, in his view, uh, the president's tough talk on North Korea is equivalent to Ronald Reagan's tough talk with the USSR back uh, in the 1980s. And also we want to talk about what the, the Reagan Foundation does uh, all these years after President Reagan's death. And then at 735, we're going to talk with Jane Kirtley with the University of Minnesota Media Ethics and Law Professor about cameras in the courtroom. And when you think about it, if you're a fan of uh, you know a number of shows, CBS 48 Hours is a great show, I-, I think. 
they often use examples where they they show sort of these real life moments in courtrooms. And certainly, I think, you know, the O.J. Simpson trial was one of the first that people really watched the entire trial. Minnesota is one of the few states that doesn't have cameras in the courtroom. They've just started a trial where they would have it just for the sentencing portion of it. And it, now even that might go away. So we're going to talk about that and, and talk about, you know, what that means, um, why it, you know there's pushback on it, you know, what the result has been. I think it's worked very, very well, and the judge still has enormous latitude to, to not allow cameras in the courtroom. Uh, so we, we want to, you know, I, I covered the uh, sentencing for Burdell Beeks, you know, the uh, Minnesota grandmother, the Minneapolis grandmother who was gunned down, you know, an innocent victim of, of cross gunfire uh, by gangs in, in North Minneapolis. And the judge wouldn't allow us to shoot the face of the actual uh man who had been convicted, he pled guilty to, to killing this woman, and, and we were not allowed to even shoot his face. So there's a lot of discretion there. Um, but anyway, I just want to let you know that lies ahead. also want to let you know that we will be talking with the executive director of the MSP International Film Festival. This is a big-time film festival, uh, and we, we're going to get sort of a lowdown on that. And then at 8 o'clock, we're going to talk with um, David Schultz of Hamlin University He's going to talk to us about his big trip to Eastern Europe, and we are going to sort of visit with him and see what he has to say. So let's take a quick break. You are listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. We hope to get uh, this uh, doctor on, professor, to talk about children's mental health. Uh, it is Esme Murphy with you on a Saturday night. Uh, we have gotten in touch with um, uh, we have gotten in touch with Dr. Catherine Cullen to talk about. Uh, children's mental health, a new study shows that only 20% of children uh, struggling with mental illness are ever diagnosed and receive treatment. Uh, Dr. Cullen, thank you so much for joining us. Can you let me know, can let us know why is that? I mean, that's such a shockingly low number. Um, sorry, I just got on. Can you, can you repeat the question? Which is, um, the, the, can you say that again? Oh, okay. Um, well, a new study shows that only 20% of children struggling with mental illness are ever diagnosed and receive treatment. Okay, yes. Um, yeah, I think that is a shocking number, and I think we weren't aware of how, how low it was. Um, and I think that um, part of it is um, we need to do a better job of screening, identifying kids, and then also improving access to care. Uh, and let me ask you, um, what what should people know about you know mental health in children in terms of both um, you know, the diagnosis and and at what age do do you know people start or doctors start seeing children or treating children? Um, okay, well, um, first of all, mental mental um, illnesses are quite common. Um, you you may have covered this already. About twenty percent of of kids will have a um, mental illness, a, a severe mental illness at some point in their life and prior to adulthood. And um, so um, it's, it's a very common thing. We, um, the, the most common um, age, the, the average age of onset is 14. Um, so there are um, some illnesses that are, that are tend to be getting earlier um, and some that tend to start later on in um, adolescence. Um, and so, um, for the younger children, um, the, the, uh, places to pick, 
uh, to begin to identify some of these problems um, are tend to be in primary care settings and in the schools. And in terms of, of you know, when do people, at what age do people start coming to doctors and professionals such as yourself? Does it vary tremendously? It varies a lot, and it depends on the problem. Um, so um, in, in a psychiatry clinic um, like ours, we, um, you know, I would say um, we see more um, adolescents than um, children, although we, we now have a couple of new experts in our, in our clinic that are um, uh, very um, capable of working with very young children. Um, but, you know, children are going to see their pediatrician since, since birth and or their family practice doctor. So they are seen regularly in primary care from very, very early stages in life. And so that's kind of an opportunity for us to begin to start identifying some of these problems earlier. Okay. What is the, what are some of the issues that are the most prevalent? So um, one of the, some of, some of the problems that um, are very common in children, um, ADHD, anxiety, and depression. Um, depression is a, is a, a problem that, um, again, uh, many, many adolescents will experience. It's a, um, an, an, an anxiety, um, at least um, 20% of the population get depression at some point in their lifetime. All right. And you talked about ADHD. Uh, you know, that, that's a very controversial. Um, when is that often diagnosed? Or can, is it often misdiagnosed? ADHD, yes, I agree. It is controversial. Um, some people feel that it's way overdiagnosed. Some people, you know, on, on the other hand, it's, it's likely that many children with ADHD um, go undiagnosed. Um, it's, um, it's a disorder that um, is present early in life. Um, we, in fact, we used to have a, um, the, uh, we used to have a requirement that it would need to be diagnosed before age seven. Um, you know, uh, children with ADHD are typically presenting to care in particular when they have hyperactive, um, symptoms and they, they have disruptive, um, behavior so that they're disrupting the classroom and they get referred by schools. Um, so if, if the pre- predominant symptoms are disruptive behavior, then they'll more likely get care to care earlier if the primary symptoms are inattention there's usually um, more of a delay in care I know it's controversial also because of and there's controversy over the medications and and their impact and then you know the obviously people um, sometimes abuse the medications or else you know that it can get sold or, or somehow mm-hmm. you know delivered to other kids tell us about that I mean do you feel that these medications are effective Oh, there's no question that they're effective for treating ADHD. They're definitely um, the if for um, for a child with ADHD that has impairment in symptoms, um, they they can be very effective. And um, but they're not they're not always um, it, for children with ADHD. They're not always easy to tolerate. Sometimes children will have side effects. They might have um, difficulty with um, their appetite, difficulty sleeping. Sometimes it can be irritable. So it can be sometimes hard to find the right medication for a kid that does need medication for ADHD. Sometimes ADHD can be managed without medication. And, you know, of course, typically for these younger children, we're not worrying about um, abuse or diversion of me- of these medications, but that is a of course, more of a concern for the older patients, adolescents, and adults that are might be presenting to a clinic um, requesting stimulant prescriptions. Let me ask you: Is is that something that that 
can be out. Do people outgrow that? ADHD? Yes. Um, yeah, I, some people do. I think about half, um, We used, at least we used to think that about half of uh, children would at least outgrow some of the symptoms. We certainly don't see them, for example, um, as hyperactive um, when, they're, when they're adults. But there are certainly, we're increasingly aware that there are um, many people with ADHD who still have impairing symptoms into adulthood, and they do still require treatment with medications during the adult years. And then depression in children. um, That's obviously a, a very serious thing. In terms of, you know, is it the parents who aren't getting it? Is it the, the doctors who aren't getting it? Is it a combination of both of them? Is the insurance not covering it? I mean, why, why aren't kids getting this help? Um, so I, I think, you know, depression is harder to detect um, than ADHD, for example. You can't see it. It's something on the inside. Um, sometimes if kids aren't um, actively showing their emotions or talking about their feelings or being asked, um, they don't necessarily share what they're feeling. Um, and so it's, you're, you're left with um, just observing their behaviors. They might be, you know, their grades might be dropping or they might be looking sad. Um, so it's, it's actually very important to talk to um, kids about how they're feeling and, um, and talk to them about how they're doing. And, you know, in terms of um, the access to coverage, and, and insurance coverage, you know, you, people have to go and make sure they get people are in network or they're not in network or else, you know, the, the reimbursement rates vary. Does that continue to be a barrier? I think it really depends on the location. In Minnesota, we have, um, uh, so we have some very good um, uh, options for insurance and we um, are usually able to get um, at least that initial treatment covered, but some insurances are more um, flexible than others in terms of how many psychotherapy visits they'll cover and things like that. Um, you know, access to care, another one barrier in terms of access to care is um, it's just the availability of professionals who are, you know, are, who are capable of doing an assessment, a mental health assessment, and initiating treatment in, in kids. Um, there's been efforts to really um, increase screening in schools and in, in pediatric offices, which has been wonderful. But on the other hand, once once these children are identified, they do need to have a referral for a mental health professional. And since there's a shortage, there can often be long wait times before that assessment and treatment gets done. Are, are there, are there um, other resources that are out there uh, you know, for people who are worried about their children? Um, in terms, besides going to the doctor? Yes. Um, yep, there are, um, some, some great resources. Um, I, I often will direct families to go to, um, the NAMI website as a starting point. Um, so one of the organizations, um, N-A-M-I. Yes. Um, National Association for Mental Illness. And there's a Minnesota and, chapter. Um, yes, there's a Minnesota chapter. And um, they have some great resources for parents and um, patients in general. Okay. Um, but again, going back to the ADHD, um, and, and that's different from ADD, right? Those are two different. You no, know, it's we or think it... of it as an as one big diagnosis, and so and then a patient will have like 
kind of depends on how do you categorize it, but you can have ADHD and then, um, but still primarily have attention deficit symptoms and it's, you can still have the diagnosis even if you don't have the hyperactivity. Okay. So, so there are, there are different variations of that. Yes. And can you, little categories. And can you explain how, how that would manifest itself in terms of the differences? There's, yeah, for example, there's some children that, um, you know, you take one look and you can tell what's going on because they're, you know, climbing all over the furniture and talking a mile a minute and um, just, you know, can't stay focused. But um, and so you can really observe that. But um, if 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 that's not present in the and the the issue is more um, of an attention deficit, um, it might be, um, you know, um, picked up more by noticing that a child is um, not necessarily focusing in class, easily distracted, not not well um, organized, loses things a lot, forgets things. Um, so more the more the concentration and attention piece than the yeah. overt behavior piece. Right. And I think people listening probably thought, well, that's my kid <laughs> losing things or whatever. <laughs> when do you know if it's bad enough to, to, to try and get help? I think one litmus is, is really um, functioning and, and grades. Um, sometimes kids with age. ADD, like they, without the behavior, they'll kind of slip by that may, they might be pretty smart. They, they are able to kind of manage, but then they might get to, you know, the junior high or high school years and the academics start getting more rigorous yeah. and they, it just, they can't hold it together anymore. It's really, it's really becomes critical at that point to be, to be organized, to not lose things, to stay focused and stay on top of things. And then their grades will start dropping and that's, and that's, you know, that can be really important for um, for development, education development, and, and in terms of pursuing a future. So that's that's kind of where um, it might be good to, to get it checked out. And so, so that's when that, – but that, that you're saying that that can actually be a delayed diagnosis because everything's amping up. And, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's amping up. Yep. And, and can you explain this? So in other words, they're able to cope through middle school. All right. I guess we do have to get out of here. Um, thank you so much, um, Dr. Catherine Cullen. I, I appreciate your time here. You're so welcome. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right, folks. And that's it. Uh, we are going to break now for, uh, for the hour. Um, when we come back, we will talk with uh, the executive director of the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 